Yeah, my best use in this time and place is not as an expert, not as a guru, not as somebody with answers to abstract questions about the world, about society, about metaphysics or anything like that. You know, I can do that. I can play smart guy, but um, that's, you know, I've been doing that for a long time and, you know, I have access to some helpful information. I'm not discounting that, but it's not all I'm here for. And I'm not naming myself as more special than anyone else. But what in general, what we really need right now, in a way, I would say it's not more information, or I would say it's a different kind of information. And this goes back to the news fast. What we need right now is, is, is presence. We need to see each other. We need to be here for each other. We have to remind each other that we're real, that life is real. Because when so much of life happens on screens, there's an air of unreality to it. No matter what is happening on your screen, it's just pixels on the screen. You could be watching the most horrible atrocity, police beating people up in Belgium or whatever. But no matter what it is, if you press that off button, it goes away. That leaves us really lonely and disconnected. Like we are craving authentic presence. I'm not sure how interesting a podcast it would be if we just, you know, sat here gazing at each other. But what I'm saying is definitely true. And a lot of people are sick of the debate, sick of the studies, sick of, sick of the opinions. They, we want something else. And it's, it's available. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Adelic. I'm Mike Brancatelli. You're you. Today's guest is Charles Eisenstein. Charles Eisenstein uh, has been on the podcast before. If you want to hear our first episode together, it's uh, it was in the fall of 2019, I believe. And uh, now Charles joins me in the fall of civilization. So uh, <laughs> thank you for coming on and uh, and and being here to explore a lot of the themes that, that, that I find so interesting that Charles covers uh, about human history, civilization, economics, spirituality, mythology, ecology. Uh, he is one of the best at uh, articulating in a clear, digestible, lucid, easily understandable, impactful, and profound way uh, that uh, that I find really, really speaks to me, really resonates with me. So if you want to know more about Charles, check out the links below uh, in the show notes, show description. CharlesEisenstein.org is where you can go. And to keep up to date with his essays, he publishes a Substack, and uh, it's great. You get an email, and he writes a little piece, and usually it's right on point, really tapped in to the uh, collective consciousness. And uh, 
yeah, I really admire and respect Charles. Uh, I, I really admire and respect anybody who is able to stay with it. Uh, and by, by that, I mean, you know, for, for me, prior to recording this conversation with Charles, I had been unplugged. I sort of stepped back and, and, and insulated. Uh, not necessarily, I didn't isolate because I was with people, but I wasn't connected to news. I wasn't connected to uh, going on the internet too much. And I, was, I deleted all of my social media apps off my phone, most notably Instagram, which I kind of mindlessly use. So I really just kind of unplugged, pulled back, and just dealt with things that were happening in my you know, direct mere proximity. Uh, and um, it was really nice. And so when Charles and I recorded, he was the first podcast that I had recorded in over a month. So I was a little, I was a little rusty, I think. I was a little nervous. Uh, but he gave me a great reminder. Uh, so I'm very grateful for, for Charles for, for helping me. And after our conversation, it was, I had a really profound moment because there was a, a particular moment in the, in the episode that we recorded uh, that really impacted me and, and helped me uh, big time. And so uh, I recorded a solo episode uh, and a lot of that was uh, that came out or emerged from the uh, awakening or the reminder, the great reminder. And and who better to get a reminder and a great teaching from uh, than someone like Charles, who I greatly admire and respect. And um, yeah, I just have to say thanks, <laughs> thank you, thanks for helping me, thanks for giving me that reminder, thanks for helping me remember why I'm here and what I'm here to do. So thank you, Charles, and uh, thank you to everybody that listens to this show. Again, I apologize for taking so much time off, but I felt it was necessary for me to do. I think maybe in the future, if I decide to do something like that, I'll clue you guys in on what's going on. Uh, But there was a part of me that just didn't want, I didn't want to have any input or output happening in my life in the digital sphere uh, in any way. I just really wanted to pull back. I didn't really want to answer to anybody else or be responsible for anything. I just wanted a a quiet time alone. Um, Well, a quiet time to myself and uh, still interacting with people, but outside of the digital space, outside of the internet. And it's been great. And it's really helped me. So in my uh, eagerness and excitement after uh, the profound encounter with, with Charles, I, I was spurred into motion to try and uh, get a podcast out, a solo podcast, a classic, mycadelic solo cast. And uh, it, I think it was, a, it, was, it was a good start for me to sort of get the gears rolling again in, in living my purpose and, and expressing myself in the way in which I know to be the most uh, beneficial and of service. And um, yeah, so go check that out if you feel like it. Okay, now to talk about some things outside of the podcast. Uh, I started an organization called The Tribe of Brothers with my brother Bill Burns, and we're operating here in Denver holding weekly men's councils. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting ones coming up on February 2nd. We're going to have a musical exploration with El Javi, past podcast guest, good friend of mine, uh, who's an amazing musician, guitarist. And uh, we, we do a lot of creative ritual expression and connection. Uh, it's just a place to come to just be seen and, and heard and witnessed in what, what's going on for you. 
Um, and a lot of the times, actually, this podcast has been helpful for me uh, to express what's going on for me. But there's nothing like being in the physical presence of other people and engaging in fun ways to connect. And uh, we've been holding drum circles and just doing a lot of really fun, creative things. So it's really been lighting me up. Uh, get in touch with me about that. Email mikeadelicpod at gmail.com. We have a retreat coming up called Activate, and uh, that's going to be really great. It's going to be in Colorado, and we still have a couple spots left for that. So uh, email me about that. That's coming up real soon. Um, and we also have a social network on Mighty Networks, the Tribe of Brothers. So if you're interested in just joining and, and checking that out, we're going to have some virtual offerings coming soon. We're going to be holding some virtual councils for brothers that aren't uh, in the Colorado, Denver area. Uh, but yeah, this, this work is really lighting me up. And I think that uh, I'm, I'm really being pulled in the direction to be of service in, in the physical space more, uh, more and more. But uh, I look forward to that because uh, the, those will help inform me of the conversations that I want to bring to be of service through the podcast as well. And uh, got to give, give a shout out, of course, everybody that listens that leaves five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, I love you. Thank you. It helps grow the show. It helps bring attention to the show. And if you think that what we're doing here is good and you like it, just leave a five-star on Apple Podcasts. I believe Spotify also has ratings and reviews now too, so you can leave five stars on there as well. Big shout out to everybody who is a part of the Patreon. Thank you so much for everybody that takes the time no matter how much you're contributing or donating, every little bit goes, uh, every little bit counts. It goes a long way. Uh, just know that. I love you. Thank you so much for taking the time to go to Patreon. You can't find me. You have to click on the link. Patreon has shadow banned me, I suppose. So you have to click on the link that's in the show description. You'll get right to the Mikeadelic Patreon. As soon as you join, whatever tier you select, you'll be, I'll send you a link for the Inner Sanctum Discord. And uh, it's people from all around the world coming together and talking and sharing and collaborating. And that's really what I'm most interested in is creating a community here. We're going to start doing Zoom calls and uh, recording them and uh, the, in, 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 a lot of really fun and interesting things. Bonus episodes, Dosadelic is coming back if we ever get the, the flow down again, which I'm, I'm sure that we will. But it will be coming back, so we'll be having fun in more of a, a comedy-contained podcast or comedy-centric podcast, I should say. And then i uh, got to give a shout-out to the sponsor, Waveblock. Put in the code Mikeadelic and get 20% off. Waveblock is great. Ever since I've been using it, I've, I've definitely felt better. I don't know if it's a, between the digital detox or the dopamine reset or putting these um, EMF uh, blocking uh, strips on my AirPods, but I love it because I hate cords, I hate wires, I loved when I got the AirPods, um, but I did notice that, like, I don't know, maybe I don't really feel so good. Like, is this is electromagnetic frequency? Is this good? Is this bad? Is this harmful? We really don't know, but I lean in the direction of, like, this can't be good. Can't be good, you know? Um, so, yeah, for, like, 20 bucks, get yourself some of these WaveBlock stickers, put in the code MikeAdelic, uh, and you get 20% off. I say it's a win-win, you know? Um, they're really great. I really love them. I have noticed the difference. Uh, like I feel like when I was wearing my AirPods before, I feel like sometimes after a while, I just feel like a little bit of a headache or something or not really a headache, but just some, something going on. But I haven't felt that 
since wearing the WaveBlock stickers. The, the way they work is awesome. You, they're, they're basically like, I love the philosophy because they're not like, hey, well, you know, you got to plug in and go chords and stuff. They developed uh, a technology that comes in a sticker form and you just stick them onto your AirPods. And then you, you have it, you could stick them onto your phone as well. And they help radically decrease uh, the amount of electromagnetic frequency being emitted. And uh, something interesting, I heard actually Greg Carlwood talking to Ben Stewart the other day that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. actually had a lawsuit about 5G technology uh, and won because um, he was, they were unable to, to prove that it wasn't harmful. So, you know, every time a new technology comes out, we're always just excited about the technology and we don't necessarily think about the repercussions. It's only like years later when people are like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be using that or, oh, that's not a good chemical to be, you know, yeah, that asbestos is poison or this lead is really bad. And, you know, we, we go with what we have and, and, we, and we just keep going and we're excited about the new inventions and innovations. But uh, yeah, if you could, if you want to give it a try, I highly suggest it. They're really good about their customer service. If you don't like it, just you can return it, whatever. Uh, but yeah, WaveBlock is a great supporter of this show and of the mission of uh, becoming more human in a more digitized world. How do we become more human? How do we preserve our humanness? And I think that uh, you know these EMF stickers really help a lot. So check them out, Mike Adelic for twenty percent off. Links in the show notes, show description, and uh, email me because I'm not on social media anymore. I uh, am not really responding to DMs and stuff unless I check from my laptop. For messages. So it's mikeadelicpod at gmail.com. That's mikeadelicpod at gmail.com. Get in touch with me about uh, whatever, anything. Without further ado, let's get into this conversation with the great Charles Eisenstein. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Grateful to be here with you, Charles. What's uh, what's currently most present for you right now? Well, um, I'm assuming that it's probably okay to talk about this since it, the podcast is called Mikeadelic. But yes, um, yeah, I I, um, I was on a uh, plant medicine journey, uh, kind of an impromptu thing <clears throat> yesterday, and didn't sleep at all last night as a result. So um, either 
going to be, you know, tired and stumbling a little bit, or I'll have more direct access to the information that my ordinary thoughts might uh, separate separate me from. So that's and I'm but, but uh, yeah, and I'm feeling still quite open and expanded from that experience. Wonderful. Yeah, let's uh let's say the latter is present, right? I, I think that uh there's such a clarity that can come through with those kinds of journeys. Has there been any clarity insight uh for you specifically on anything? Well, <clears throat> yes, and it would take a lot of contexting to share. In fact, I'm not sure if I would share, you know, with a, a lot of people I don't know. Sure, but sure. It depends. Maybe, <clears throat> yeah, maybe it'll come up in one way or another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, I really enjoyed uh, the last time we saw each other. You held a, a small private gathering in Boulder, Colorado. I thought mm-hmm. that was really amazing uh, to be there um, among people <laughs> in the physical 3d space. Uh, I also th- see, I, we, we seem to sort of be like parallel. I mean, I guess it's, uh, out there in the, in the collective conscious of, of what's happening, but it seems like I'm feeling a certain way. And then you put out an essay and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's exactly how I'm feeling. And that's happened several times. Uh, and, and the most recent was the news fast. Cause mm-hmm. I had been, I had been unplugged since before I left to go see my family for Christmas. And it's just, it's so great. It's, and, and I'm also a bit nervous cause I'm like, shit, what do we talk about? <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been, I've been unplugged, but I've been feeling great. Are you still doing your news fast? And how has that gone? Uh, I'm, Transitioning off, <clears throat> transitioning off the news fast. But you know, I mean, being on a news fast doesn't mean cutting oneself off from the world. It is cutting myself off from a certain kind of information and a certain way of thinking, and opening myself up to other sources of information that may not be deemed newsworthy, but are actually really important, uh, because. When I read the news, even if even if I'm reading, like quote both sides of an issue, there's still an agreement there that this is the issue, that here's what is important to talk about, and here's what isn't. And there's a lot, uh, you know, in this world, in the human drama, that is not considered newsworthy. So it's been really good to tap into other sources of information. Yeah. Because otherwise I go crazy, you know? Right. Like, yeah. And there's, I think like there's a natural revulsion <laughs> against like something, like something that isn't nourishing you, like poison, like the body naturally uh, wants to, to expel poison from it. So I, I was getting, I was reaching that point where like even the stuff that I agreed with, it just felt like poison, you know? So I, I, I took a little break from it and, um, yeah, going back in with more intention. Hmm. Yeah. 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 It is. It's interesting when people say the news. Yeah. 
right? It's uh, what they're talking about is, um, you know, the sort of three by five card of allowable thought, opinion, and expression, either mm-hmm. A, going from A to B, ping-ponging, the counter-narrative, the narrative. Um, yeah, it's it, it's interesting because, yeah, that's, that's what I tapped into is like, okay, there's other news here. <laughs> there's other things that are happening and there's, there's news of, of my life and the people in my life. Yeah. Uh, and what's, what's happening there. It, and there's yeah. like the more subtle news of like, what, what information do you pick up when you stand outside for 10 minutes feeling the wind? Yeah. You know, um, or watching geese fly across the sky. There are other cultures on this earth that believe that you can learn a lot more from those things than you can from watching your television. Oh yeah. I mean, I yeah. believe it cause I, I experience it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be tapped into that. I think I mentioned the geese in that, in that piece, mm. like, like they transmit something to me. There's mm. information all around us in the world and in the modern context, we tend to tune out most of that information. So we're, we're walking around with a very limited data set and that data set is kind of programmed for despair. Yeah. 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 Despair and (sighs) I guess like a, a hope from that, data set to say, Hey, this is what's important. You know, don't, don't worry about these other things that you might be feeling or sensing. That's not really accurate. We're going to tell you what's accurate and we're going to tell you what's newsworthy and also, you know, outsourcing a lot, uh, becoming dependent upon so-called authorities to, Mm -hmm. to tell us what's what. Yeah. Yeah. It's been crazy. It's been, it's been a crazy uh, couple years, but it's been a crazy life. You know, I think that this, this era that we're in, uh, it didn't just begin with the, the big event of 2020. It, it has been around for, for a long time and, and you've talked about it. You've written books about it. Um, one of the things that always bothers me is that, I look at people who are older than me and I say, I don't understand. Haven't you been through all of these events and these lies and deceits and you know, things that, that become declassified and now we know the truth and the, all this all this stuff? I mean, just in my lifetime, you know, 9-11, the, the economic crash, I've had so many periods of being disillusioned and I wonder, I'm like, I don't, under, I don't understand why don't people seem to see the, the patterns here. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, it sometimes it brings to mind the Iraqi weapons of mass destruction hoax. Right. That at the time, <clears throat> to, to many of us, to me, you know, to many on the left, it seemed utterly transparent that this was a manufactured pretext for war. And, and even like when they were talking about it on the news, I was like, hold on, you guys don't really believe this, do you? You're you're pretending to believe that you're actually scared of Saddam Hussein and the weapons of mass destruction, but come on here, you don't really believe it, do you? And I don't think they did. 
And I don't think that that the people pushing the war narrative believed it either. I don't think anybody actually believed it. Then, but nonetheless, the pretense of belief was enough to write a ticket to war. And then, you know, a few years later, five, 10 years later, turns out that it was entirely fabricated. Uh, the, the document it was based on was a forgery, an obvious forgery, et cetera, et cetera. But was there ever a reckoning that said, oh, the the news media is geared to, to the manufacture of consent, the manufacture of, of facts, uh, of, of a narrative. So let's look at how that happened and not let it happen again. No, none of that happened. And people somehow, like the next pretext for war that comes along, everyone believes it, you know, and this is what uh, a lot of what's going into the COVID narrative and the manufacturing of a consensus around what we as a society need to do. Uh, yeah, like where's the skepticism and where's the rebellion and where's the questioning of authority that's supposed to be done, especially by young people? Yeah. Yeah, but but I, I've noticed in, in the last couple of years, it's been the young people, the teenagers who have been in general, the most conforming. Like, like when yeah. no one else was wearing masks anymore, like I'd see groups of teenagers, you know, like walking on the beach wearing masks. And I, 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 to this day, I don't really understand what happened to youthful rebellion. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> it's it's really sad because I, I grew up my whole life being like, I'm I'm a part of the left, question authority. Yeah. Don't trust anyone over 30, you know, things like that. Like just really I just always had felt like something's not right here, you know, and uh, you write about this quite a bit and that's sort of what spurred on your sort of investigation, right? Like what what is the wrongness as you put it? Um because I always just felt like something was off. And it was actually psychedelics the first time that I that I took a, a substantial dose uh, that it just seemed like, oh, like this, this dusty veil was lifted. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. Everything that I was feeling is now kind of confirmed at a deeper sense of knowing. Uh, I'm not crazy. Like mm -hmm. uh, this is this, there is something that's, that's a little off here. Um, yeah. And, and it is, it is, it is strange to be immersed in, uh, environments where, where there's just, it doesn't seem to be like, there's a cohesive, like youth sort of rebellion, right? Mm -hmm. Like I go to places and people are, Hey, I, I believe in the science or, you know, stay at home and, you know, double mask or things like that. And, and it really, yeah, it drives me, it drives me nuts. <laughs> so how do you, how do you not go completely insane? I mean, over the years of, of, you know, that's one of the things that I, I often wonder is like, am I like, am I doing any good? Am I doing any good? Like at all? Am I making any change at, at all? Um, I get frustrated and sometimes give up. Uh -huh. It's like, it doesn't seem like people are, are really, it's like, we're speaking different languages, living, living in different realities and people that are close to me. You know, I have someone that's close to me who's like, yeah, I, I want to travel. So I don't know. I think I'm going to get these, the shot because I just, I want to travel and, you know, and I, I'm just kind of blown away a little bit by it. 
Like, I don't really. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I can understand a lot of people close to me have gotten, gotten the shots, some of them enthusiastically, some of them very reluctantly. Um, some have had um, some pretty scary, serious, you know, s- some adverse reactions. Most of them were totally fine. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't hold any judgment over anybody who makes that choice. I mean, I don't know. Like, I kind of think it's none of my business what medical choices people make about what to bring into their bodies. Yeah. Uh, I wish that they would think the same about about me and my choices. Right. And, the, you know, the, 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 this question, though, that you that you just raised, like, am, is my work doing any good? Am I crazy? Uh, is the world crazy? This is part of what COVID has flushed to the surface. I often point out that all of the political trends in the COVID era are actually intensifications of what was already in progress, whether it's surveillance um, or censorship, uh, polarization, um, uh, authoritarianism, like all of these things were uh, on the increase before COVID. But COVID intensified them and made them visible to us. It brought a lot to the surface, a lot of like these these um, civic rivalries and tensions. They were bubbling underneath the surface and, and erupting from time to time. And it just like really like made it literally visible. Like some people wear a mask and some don't. And you can from that, you can guess their political affiliation. Now, sometimes that guess is wrong. Like, you know, if I'm walking down without a mask, people think I must be a Trumper or something like that. And I'm not, um, shall we say. Yeah. But but so also, though, on a psychological level, things that hadn't been an issue, like these questions you're raising, could kind of slide under the surface. But they sure came up strong for me as, like, I've been um, warning about medical totalitarianism for like 15 years, you know, and, and in the ascent of humanity, which I wrote in the early two thousands, I painted this picture of everybody's wearing like a protective bubble around themselves as this, uh, fulfillment of the war on germs. And the idea that the separate self can maintain its health and integrity by shutting out the world. And I was relating that to the separate selves of neoliberal capitalism and and modern psychology and philosophy and the whole atomized society, you know, and so like this and the conquest of nature and the the separation of a human realm from the natural realm. Like I was I was like writing about this a long time ago and I'm and I'm saying we don't want to go down this road. And here we are, far down that road. And so yeah, like I really went into <clears throat> some pretty dark places. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe I should just take my toys and go home. <laughs> right. Yeah. Carve out some, some little bubble somewhere and do my best to insulate myself from what's happening. Psychically insulate and physically insulate, find some community, some pod somewhere. Uh, but you know, that, <clears throat> that impulse 
to retreat into a bubble is actually the same energy as the um, hygiene obsession that powers a lot of the COVID response. Mm. Keep the good in and the bad out. That that as the the um, prescription for health and safety and a good life. And so ultimately, I've always you know been um, pulled back again and again into engagement. And um, but yeah, it hasn't been easy. Like everything on some level, everything you know, because separation is actually a lie. And we are inextricably linked to the world. Therefore, everything that happens in the world is happening inside too. Like we can't wall it right. out. We're, right. we're feeling everything. Yeah. And and that's been uh, one reason why there's been so much, um, like almost in many people, like it's almost bipolar. Uh, fluctuation in, in mood and outlook uh, and this like inner conflict it's mirroring the the outer conflict it's mirroring people's bewilderment uh, at the changing narrative and at the collapse of what they had assumed to be incontestable truth and the the switching of roles of villains and heroes and like, I don't even know what's real anymore. Like a lot of people under the facade of normality and this, the orthodox narrative, a lot of people are really in a deep state of questioning that they're not even aware of. They're still voicing the correct opinions, living the normal routines, but there's a feeling of unreality. They don't believe in it anymore. People don't even believe their opinions anymore. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're feeling this inside. It, that could register as a kind of a, of like a self-doubt. And where did that even come from? Not like the authentic doubt when something that you have professed becomes no longer true. And, and there's like doubt can be a kind of a letting go process, letting go of what I thought I knew who I thought I was. I'm not talking about that doubt though. I'm talking about doubting what you actually authentically do know and undermining who you authentically are. So that's, that's been a lot of people have been struggling with that too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I have. I remember when, when this thing kicked off my first reaction which I've heard you talk about as well, where I was like, oh yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, well, here it is. This is the big one. This is it. This is the, this is it. Here it comes. You know, <laughs> it's, it's over. It's over now. And so, it's sort of like a sense of relief, like, ah, okay, this mm -hmm. is all going to just go to hell. And that's, that's fine. Cause it's just not working anyway. But then I, I started looking to people that I know and respect and trust friends, peers, other podcasters, writers. And I wasn't really like, there was also this, this group that I was a part of, we were doing live streams every Friday. Um, and I started to question like what I thought I knew. Cause I was like, I respect these people. They're my friends. They're in the psychedelic community. They're mm -hmm. why are they 
am I, am I, is my propensity to believe in malice or, or malevolence or plans or conspiracy? Is it, am I, am I, is it going too far? Uh, like, is, is it different this time? If, if everybody around me is kind of, no, you know, this is, this is a thing and we have to be measured about this and balanced. And it, I sort of conformed a little bit to that. And I think I did because I was looking for some, some connection during that yeah. time. Um, yeah. but I mean, after a while I couldn't, that, that, yeah, there's, there's another thing that gets flushed to the surface. Like how much of my, uh, how many of my choices are actually governed by approval seeking, uh, acceptance by the group? Yeah. Like how, how independent actually am I? Right. And, and, and maybe I'm not supposed to be independent. Like maybe I'm supposed to look outside myself for to, to, yeah, how are you seeing it? How are you seeing it? That's actually quite normal. But who do I trust? Like, where do I put my trust and why do I put my trust in them? Is it because they've earned my respect or is it because they are wielding the power of in-group acceptance and conformity to the majority? So like, this is, this is a lot that, that is brought up. And um, yeah, but like, like, kind of like you were saying, every time somebody... I respected came down um, with very different opinions than I have. It was like a shock, you know, it like really would send me through a whole cycle of doubt. Um, yeah. Especially in the psychedelic community. Yeah. You know, cause it's like, yeah, these are people who have apparently done deep work, you know, like really like done the soul work like like and they are backing the dominant narrative so like you know it, it that it really sent me for a loop yeah 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 because 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 this time it's different you know, I feel like that's always the, the the message that comes up. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some corrupt shit that was going on back then, and, right? You know, but now it's different. This is different. This is yeah. a health em emergency. This is science right. and health. This is right. not about anything else. And I'm always like, well, it's always about something else. <laughs> it's yeah, and I think a, a lot of the um psychedelic community's acceptance of the dominant narrative, I think comes because some of it at least comes because we in this community have craved acceptance for so long. And one way to get acceptance is to say, well, this is very scientific. And, and, you know, here's the data that shows that psychedelic therapies can meet these conditions and so forth. Like we've been kind of begging to be accepted and, 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 we can like display our fealty to science by conforming to the narrative. But it's also made me really question, you know, how, how transforming are psychedelics actually? Yeah. Because if now, like I, I'm not, I, I don't actually, okay, this is a whole other thread about, you know, rejecting the dominant narrative does not necessarily mean that you default to a grand conspiracy is running the world. Right. Uh, there's a lot of other ways to understand it. 
um, the, the the corruption is, I, in my view, very systemic. Yeah, and and the the conspiracies are like little eddies coming off the main current of a paradigm and a mythology, and they're not directing that current. Anyway, if psychedelics are so powerful, then why haven't they helped people see the man behind the curtain, so to speak? Like, why haven't they helped people? Um, why haven't they immunized people against the mind control that is running the show right now? Yeah. 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 I had a little like short story idea to write like kind of a, a Philip K. Dick-esque thing where the 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 power elites, the the narrative controllers, the advertisers uh, put, uh, find a way to put messaging into psychedelic trips. <laughs> and you know but like yeah i i i've been pretty critical uh with i guess the psychedelic community the sort of suit and tie front facing psychedelic community uh um i see a lot of them just kind of becoming subsumed by the machine so to speak you know just like okay we'll play by your rules we'll do things your way and, you know, some people say, okay, it's like a Trojan horse, but mm -hmm. I tend to think it's more like a Brave New World situation that's mm -hmm. emerging. Um, yeah, it's like how much are we changing if we're just plugging into the way things have already been constructed? You know, we can go, yeah. we could still launch wars and then just have soldiers come back and they have MDMA therapy, so that's fine. I, I, I ultimately I trust the power, the transformative power of psychedelics. I do trust them as medicines, and also recognize the limitations of them as medicines. Like um, a medicine can address a certain condition, but maybe that medicine doesn't address other conditions, and maybe the illness of the human society right now um, is something that that you know, a psychedelic isn't going to fix. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I know, I, I, you know, I've, I've come across psychedelic practitioners, um, mostly like heard about them, but actually met one or two who were like downright psychopathic. You mm. know? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, this was a man who's sat in hundreds of ayahuasca ceremonies and like the way he was like manipulating people was jaw dropping. Yeah. You know, so it's not like they automatically heal you and enlighten you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So then that brings up the question, well, what do they do? <clears throat> and what is their purpose? And how do we use them? And what can we use them for? And also puts me, and, and maybe those questions have answers, maybe they don't, but because it, it also confronts me with the mystery that the way that they are acting and the purpose for which they are here is beyond our understanding. Generally speaking, beyond our understanding. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, there's so much talk of integration and the importance of integration. And while I 100% believe that integration is important after profound peak experiences, I also am like a little bit like, okay, but let's not just, let's just, you know, it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to 
to a profoundly sick society, right? Like, so how do we take that integration and move it in a direction where we're not just plugging back in? And I heard you, I heard you on another podcast, I forget which one, and you were talking about something that you were writing, you were, you were saying that you saw th- three different ways hmm. where things can go. You mentioned just yeah. like, okay, it's going to be like the total dystopian future or hippie planet. And then you mentioned this third way. Yeah. And I think, I, I think you referenced. Yeah. Two oh, parallel societies coexisting on earth. I never thought that that was possible. And I'm kind of feeling like, wait, maybe that is, I don't know. Yeah. We're the Aldous Huxley, uh, portrayed that in brave new world. Right. Yeah. There's the, the dominant, you know, mechanized industrialized society, but then there's like these barbarians basically who yeah. live in, you know, remote areas and they're pretty much, <clears throat> they, they're, they're not persecuted even. Right. Uh, they're irrelevant. People take trips to go visit. People take and trips to like see. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Like they're almost like a tourist destination. Yeah. Kind of like the Amish. Mm. You know, every time I think that it's not possible, I'm like, well, hold on. Like where I grew up, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania. There were, there were, there was a whole other society coexisting with the dominant society. And it's not just like, you know, a couple hundred people in an eco village. I mean, there are, like tens of thousands of Amish people in Pennsylvania living and in many other Ohio, I think might even have more like living in, in with totally different technology. I mean, you've seen, you know, at least everyone's seen at least pictures, you know, I mean, that's not an exaggeration. I mean, they're like driving buggies, you know, they're not using electricity. Uh, They're they're They've created a separate society. And how do they maintain that? There's some, um, some kind of, I would almost call it magic that they, they use to almost enter a different reality where they cannot be touched. It's not that they don't interface with the rest of society. Like, you know, they go to farmer's markets, you know, they, they buy property. I mean, they're, they're, they're here. There's, they're not totally separate, but they somehow shield themselves and without like making a big issue about it, without fighting at all, nonetheless, they somehow are able to, to maintain the integrity of their, of their society. So I, I, I so like, that's another, it, it kind of, sometimes it seems like that's happening. I, I've been going th- through these fluctuations uh, uh, I've mentioned before, where one day I'll be like, Oh man, like everything good is going to get crushed. The totalitarian state is going to root out every shred of resistance and, and, you know, we're going to live in a surveillance dystopia. And then on other days, I'm like, man, this, the narrative is collapsing. Cracks are spreading in the dam. Um, and this is all going to be over in a couple months. And then on the third day, then I'm like, yeah, you know, it seems to actually in some places become more entrenched, even as it falls apart in other places. Like if you start in New York City or Philadelphia or any major metropolis, everyone is wearing a mask, even outdoors. Yeah. And then as you go mile by mile away from the city center into the suburbs, 
Most people are still masked a little farther out. By the time you get into the countryside, like where my brother lives in central Pennsylvania, like rural, like deep rural Pennsylvania, no one ever wore a mask the entire time, at yeah. least not in the hardware store, you know, maybe right. like in the bank or something, a post office, but, but, you know, like, it's like, a, so, so this is one of the things that's coming to the surface under COVID is this division in society becoming like a lot more crystallized. And I don't know, like I'm, like I said, like on alternate days, I, I, you know, I'm looking down one timeline or another or another. And what I would say on a more meta level is that all of these timelines exist right now and that you and I and everybody, we shapeshift into one or another of these futures. Like, like we are, we are agents in this. The future is not something that just happens to us as victims, but we have, excuse me, but we have an agency and a choice that is far beyond the usual cliches. Well, if we all get together and make the change happen, because that is saying, well, okay, if you make the change, you're still blind to everybody else. And if they don't make the change, then too bad. You know, no, our, our, our power is much greater than that. And we can feel this truth that our choices matter. And that in some sense, the future hangs on, on, on in, a, in a exquisite balance and the weight of just one person, which could be you, will shift that balance. Hmm. That's, that's, that's how, how balanced it is right now. It's on the, on the head of a pin. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And I'm, and I'm in a little bit of a bubble world to a certain extent because uh, everything I do is involved with like plant medicine and men's work and, you know, my partner, the same thing. And so, um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, but then I, you know, I plug back in and I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah, the totalitarian technocratic oligarchy is never going to let people escape from under its boot, you know? But you've um, already escaped in a way. I mean, you're in this it, bubble. Like maybe exactly. this bubble just yeah. like, gets more and more strong, you know, and, and more and more come into it. And it's like a separate reality bubble almost. Like reality is built from stories too, mm. built from agreements. I would, right. I would say more than even than stories it's built from agreements and the information universe is also resolving into, into separate bubbles. Like people in one bubble never see the information that people in the other bubble are seeing. They just have no idea. Yeah. And, and vice versa. Like I'm, when I, you know, happen to tune into CNN or something like that, I'm like, I'm like shocked almost. <laughs> yeah. Like, what reality are you living in? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 I used to plug into that more because I was on another podcast where we would sort of like, you know, dispel or, or show, you know, wh why are they saying what they're saying and, mm -hmm. you know, what, what are they not saying and how are they framing things and, um, it is so shocking. I mean, I haven't owned a TV in over 10 years and, 
you know, even just commercials. It's just, uh, it's wild. It, it's sorcery. I, I, I look at it as, as a form of, of, mm-hmm. of magic, of sorcery, you know, the repetition, the colors, mm-hmm. the graphics, the sounds, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really wild. Um, yeah. And I'm very much interested in bridging the gap a little bit, you know, like how do we communicate when we're living in such different realities? How do we communicate with people that are in other realities? It seems to be, well, what I noticed was when I went home to see my family over Christmas, my parents and and everyone, um, it just didn't really come up much. Yeah. You know, like we, we kind of like, no one made a point to bring anything like that up. And we just focused on like having a good time together. Yeah. Yeah. Same with my family. And this is part of what, what I was talking about is with uh, the news. Like if you look at the news, the most important thing is, you know, what's your position on vaccines and, and all that. But like, why do we accept that? Right. As the thing that we should be talking about. There's a lot more to life than that's become kind of inescapable. It's like, oh, you guys don't want to fight each other? Okay, let's create mandates and vaccine passports and stuff so that you have to become visible in your opinions. It's almost like it's engineered to set people against each other. But in our homes and our families, um, like at least we've we've successfully resisted that that division. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it helps. Uh, definitely. I mean, there was one thing that was a little, that really, I, I was very sad because, uh, I had some family members that wouldn't see my partner and I, cause we're not vaccinated and they wanted us to get a test and the test didn't come in until it was time for us to leave. So it was, it was really sad. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow, I can't believe we can't see each other because of this, you know? Um, and I was, I was definitely angry uh, too, but yeah, it was, it was hard to, Accept, mm-hmm. accept that. Um, yeah, and it seems it seems you were talking about like it seems like it's engineered. I mean, I would argue that it is. I, I would I would say that it just makes sense to have it be that way because that is what sort yeah. of. I don't, I don't think it's consciously engineered. I don't think that there's a room full of you know evil guys saying, "Okay, how can we create more division?" Yeah, I think that it's it it that. It's in the nature, actually, like it is in the nature of the body to heal. And it's in the nature of the body politic, the the collective body to heal. Healing happens when underlying conditions rise to the surface. Like in Chinese medicine, it's understood that when you get a rash, then you're almost almost cured because it's coming out to the skin level. So... So I think that it, we could look actually at the intense division that is apparent today as a healing crisis. It's not like these divisions appeared out of nowhere, but they were lodged really deep so that they weren't as visible. So in other words, like the instruments of division are magnetized to the deeper, more subtle divisions that seek expression. Mm. It's like, it's like, I suppose like you and I have some kind of grudge against each other and we're not even conscious of it. Well, 
our souls would be like, oh, okay, I'll give you something to fight about. Mm. And something will come up and these, these, this disunity, this conflict will rise to the surface so that we can face it. Otherwise, we would never face it. Hmm. COVID yeah. is, is, is showing us where we were headed and where, where we, in a sense, where we were. It's, it's giving us an opportunity. Doesn't not a certainty, but an opportunity to heal as a society. Even though it, it looks like we're farther away from healing than ever. But what happens when everybody is exhausted from the fight? And all of a sudden, the things that you were fighting about just don't seem that important anymore. Mm. I mean, haven't you experienced that with a, with a partner? Yeah. Know? It's not like one side capitulates to the other. If, they, if there's apology, usually both sides find something to apologize about. But sometimes no one bothers to apologize about anything. It just the storm blows over. And, and without even saying it, you both are like, yeah, you know, that wasn't actually what were we fighting about? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. That could happen. And I want to invoke the letting go that is necessary for that to happen. Because you're going to have to let go of being vindicated, maybe. Mm, yeah. Being apologized to punishing the bad guys in the story. And I'm not saying that that people who have caused harm and betrayed trust should remain in positions of trust. But if healing is contingent on everybody acknowledging that I'm right, then healing is never going to happen. There's always a letting go in the, in the healing process. Yeah. Yeah. It seems that once a lot, well, what I try and do is dismantle my positions. A lot of the times, you know, I try and like poke holes. I know you do the same. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that really, maybe, maybe it's out of fear there's a comfort of this this normalcy, and I know you you, you wrote about this in one of your like uh, an essay about all, all the normalization. What's normal, and the when the pandemic's over, and when we can mm -hmm. go back to normal, and um, it seems like it just comes for, for it seems like it comes from wanting to be safe and secure, and wanting to know that everything is solid to sort of kind of double down or reinforce and not wanting to let go um, to, to hold on because everything is going to be okay. If we just keep doing what they say, I don't know what, like, where do you think that, that is it? Do you think it's a, a deeper level? Where do you, what's your opinion on that? I don't think that many of us want normal to come back. Hmm. One reason why the lockdowns were so readily accepted by the population is that people wanted out. Mm. They wanted out of life as normal. Yeah. Normal was pretty insane already. It was ugly. It was destructive. It was miserable for many, many people. And even those who did not think of themselves as miserable Are, were living a much more muted, 
degraded existence from what is actually the natural human estate. Anyone who has visited less developed parts of the world understands this, that, yeah. that the modern experience of life is, is like, um, reduced to a narrow range. Um, it's muted. So we, we, on some level, like there's a death wish in society, a wish for liberation from the lives that we have been living. And at the same time, there's also a desire to crawl back into the womb of normalcy. There's a, that's one aspect of the conflict. But that's not going to happen. <clears throat> Normal isn't going to come back. Um, the, the process set in motion by the pandemic will far outlive the pandemic. Yeah. Partly because we don't want normal to come back. We're not <clears throat> willing to put the energy and will into restoring normal that is necessary for us to restore normal. We have to put, we would have to care and want that a lot more than we do. Mm. Now that there are, now I'm not saying that, that nothing was good about the old normal. In fact, we're being shown what was good about it, <clears throat> what, what was precious about it. It's, it's to lose something precious is probably the best way to recognize how precious it was. Like maybe we didn't really understand how precious hugs are or seeing naked faces or gathering together, singing together, dancing together. Maybe we took it for granted. Maybe now after his, it was taken away from us, maybe now we recognize how valuable that is. Maybe when the next pandemic comes, we will hold that as valuable and not give it up so easily. Maybe as we construct a new normal, we'll put those things at the center where they belong. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think that deep down, that's what people want, right? I think the the richest moments that we all experience in our lives aren't, you know, they're, they're I mean, they're always, they're always like being connected with others. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've been playing instruments recently, like a lot more and drum circles. I run a weekly men's circle in Denver and, you know, we, we play music together all the time. And I haven't been to a concert in, I don't know how long. And it's also like this, this is, is richer. This is yeah. nourishing my soul so much deeper than this sort of like, I don't know, you know, outsourced entertainment yeah. Uh, yeah. thing. This yeah. is an aspect of the parallel society. Cause this has been happening. This happened to us. Like, Oh, you can't like, you're not vaccinated. Okay. You can't go to the nutcracker suite. Oh, you're not vaccinated. You can't use this venue. You can't go to this concert. You can't go to this museum. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, they weren't that great anyway. You know, I never liked museums that much. I'm like, art should not be sequestered in a museum. It should be integrated with life. And the big concerts, I mean, some of them were pretty great, but not as great as, I mean, okay, maybe there's some exceptions, but but certainly like 
okay, well, we'll have our own little concert. We'll have our own house party. We'll have our own underground event at some unofficial venue where, where we're not like in a commercial relationship with a venue, but this is somebody's home. And maybe we can only fit 50 or 100 people instead of 200 or 500 people. But like that creates even maybe a more intense resonance among that smaller group of people and 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 a deeper imprint from that event like something special happened there yeah like maybe we can't we can't send our kids to school while we make a homeschool pod like so the, the we're getting pushed into creating a parallel society that is actually more beautiful and more nourishing it meets needs that the old normal didn't meet and maybe its beauty will radiate out and become a beacon for people who are still in the old normal in the or the other normal the other reality and but maybe it's not working that well for them maybe they are pushed out of it and they have nowhere to go but here we are because people are getting pushed out as at the same time they're getting drawn in to a new one they're getting pushed out, like maybe they have vaccine damage, you know, or maybe they just get fed up with something, or maybe they lose their job. Uh, I mean, and who knows what's down the road, you know, supply chain breakdowns, economic collapse, or whatever. So there's, there's, so the, this is how I see it. I, I see like maybe there will be a phase of parallel realities, but eventually it's going to go back to one world. And the best way that we can serve that process is to as Buckminster Fuller said, you know, don't fight the existing reality. Create a new model that makes the old reality obsolete. Mm. The new model being so beautiful that people are, are, are like, yeah, I want that. Or they experience it and then they, they go back to the old and they contrast it. And it lives inside them and calls them back to it. So that's, that's a lot of the work to be done right now. Is, is simply to live in a way that is most aligned with who we are, who we want to become, the world that we want to see, and demonstrate that. Demonstrate it through, you know, the, the events and, and the, the structures that we create, but also demonstrate it through the way that it inhabits ourselves. Because it's not just some technical innovation. Oh, we can design a school better. We can, you know, it comes from a different place. It comes from a desire to reconnect with lost parts of ourselves, to come more deeply into relationship, real relationship, not the highly mediated relationships that, that technology and markets mediate that are, that are almost commodities but but actual multidimensional intimate relationships where i know you where i know you in more than one way i know you as a musician i know you as a friend i know you as as somebody like you know in my community somebody i heard a story about like that's that's what nourishes us as interbeings mm-hmm. and and alleviates that that loneliness that is endemic in modern society of the separate self. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right at the heart of it all. I mean, yeah. Since, since, since I got into, uh, doing, I guess what's called men's work, uh, 
we like to call it like a ritual connection, ritual expression. Um, it's been amazing to see people coming in who've like, oh, I've never done this before. I don't know. And then coming back and telling a friend and bringing someone else and being like, wow, that was so, that was so amazing. I didn't know this existed. Mm -hmm. right. you know, I love that. That is the, the thing that lights me up the most is like, Hey, I didn't know this was possible. I didn't know this was here. I'm so glad I found this. Right. Oh my God. Am I so glad I found this? You know, yeah. thank you. You That's know, the new model. Whereas the old model was maybe, you know, you get together and watch the football game. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, I guess old friends of mine who I don't keep in touch with too much anymore, but over time, and even, you know, my father will like send me an article, oh, the New York times, something about psychedelics, just like you've been saying for the past decade. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I think, you know, just, uh, stay the course keep doing the thing, being that beacon of light, creating those appealing alternatives. Yeah. That seems to be, I guess that seems to be the way to go. Yeah. Whichever of the three scenarios we're facing, it's the way to go. Right. If we're facing yeah. totalitarian dystopia, well, maybe the best you can do is create a bubble of a decent life. If we're facing parallel societies, which one do you want to be in? And if we're facing hippie planet, you know, one world coming back together again, how to make that happen is to demonstrate it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and seed it, seed it. So, because ultimately, like, our choices do not have to depend on an unknowable future. The right choice will be, will be, you'll be able to recognize it as right regardless of how things are going to play out, which you really can't know or control. And in a way, this desire for some somebody to predict the future. And, you know, you could ask me, Charles, well, which is it going to be? You know, tell me so that I can choose my actions. That's actually a giveaway of your power, a mm -hmm. giveaway of your agency. Because there's an the the the, the orienting mechanism um, that can guide all of us in our choices doesn't depend on the, the accident of other people doing something and making a certain future. It's the right choice that and I'm kind of fumbling for words here, but it's, it's independent of, I want to say independent of external circumstances, but it, and in a way, maybe I could say that it's not like, okay, I'm going to choose to, you know, start my homeschooling pod or my men's group circle. And if the role of the die is, you know, snake eyes, then that's been a waste of time. Like the right choice will never be a waste of time. Right. Sometimes we may not be able to see how it imp impacts the future, but the, the orienting organ that's the heart will never lead us astray. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of was, when I was like talking about the right choice or the right way, I was just saying like, well, that, that's something to anchor hope in, in faith and, in, in mm -hmm. you know, because I, I have a tendency to get extremely depressed and in despair and just, you know, 
it's just, it's not good. Right. Uh, you know, so, but, but when I remember and I go back to, oh, this is, this is where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. This is, this is where the connection is. This is where life is. Um, that, that, that's great. But I forget. I have periods where I forget. Yeah. And I need little reminders. You well, know, luckily there are, are many of us. Yeah. And when some of us can't see it, others can, and we can remind each other that right. a more beautiful world is possible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I know it in my heart. I, I've, I feel it. I've, I've been a part of it. It's mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not imagining it. I'm not imagining it. I mean, that, that first, uh, LSD, big LSD journey I had was at a music festival. And I just looked at like how much peace and harmony and, and, and every, I was just like, wow, th- like this is a segment of humanity. Like this is a slice of people that are participating and collaborating and no one's, no one's ordering or no one's yeah. mandating. It's just happening yeah. Yeah. and it's beautiful. And I, this is po- like, we can do this at a larger mm-hmm. scale. Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And it's been, I, I feel the, a calmer sense of presence too, from being off of social media and detached from, from news. Because you're right, you know, when I, when, when, when I was too plugged in, I get a little nuts and then I'm reactive and I'm like, oh, this, this person is, they're not seeing it the right way. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just can't help but be infected. I think it was, I don't know if this is in one of your, did you reference this quote Philip by Philip K. Dick? Like those who fight the. Yeah, it's my favorite Philip K. Dick. Yeah, quote. yeah, yeah, yeah. Infected by its derangement, right? To fight it's, the empire is to be infected with its derangement. Yeah. 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 And I think that, you know, I see a lot of people out there that are kind of like, I guess, charging forward with a fight, but it's, I guess it's all, it's all good. It's all part of the interconnected web of everybody doing what's theirs. I know you, you put out a video. What is, what is mine to do? Um, like what, what am I to do? What is, what is here for me? Um, and, and I, I suppose I can guess, but what is yours yours to do, Charles? I'm orienting toward that uh, by listening to my feelings of excitement and positive anticipation, the feeling of yes. When I try to put it into words, I end up including things in a conceptual yes that are not actually a yes. Maybe with time, I'll be able to say, okay, here's what was mine to do in this phase. Right now, I'm in a bit more of a exploratory phase. Um, You know, moving beyond some of the things I've been doing for years. And I don't know which ones will pan out and which ones won't. But I'm, I'm writing, like, just today, I had a conversation about writing a, a musical um, and I've been thinking about thinking of a screenplay and like working with filmmakers a little bit to, to do short films and stuff. And just, um, but there's also, you know, in this, in the uh, plant medicine journey I had yesterday, a theme came up that has been coming up for me a lot, which is I, I want to be put to good use used for what I'm really here for, not for something that maybe I'm good at it, but it's not really why I'm here. 
it's almost to the point where I get pissed off if someone misuses me. I'm fed up with it. Mm. And of course, fed up with myself, misusing myself, mm. making myself do things that I don't really want to do and I'm not really here to do them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes what good use is, it's very, it's not like a big public thing, you know, it happens more in my close interactions, relationships, or maybe when I'm with a small group or it could just be a single person. And if that group or that person sees me, like fully sees me, then they know what I'm useful for. And that sincerity pulls me into my power. Like I can't actually fully be me if I'm not held as me. And if I don't hold myself as me, others won't hold, hold me as me either. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this paradox almost, you know, like, is it all up to you or isn't it? Like there's this idea that we can source all, source all of our spirituality from within and that all the change starts within and um, that it's all up to you. It isn't always. Sometimes we're just humbled before the impossibility of life and the task before us. And then the help comes. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely felt that in my life. Uh, partic participatory um, engagement or yeah, that mag magnetism or someone bringing something out of me, I needed them and they needed me. Right. We we're doing this together. This is the age of we need each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope I put you to good use today, Charles. Anything that you'd like to put me to good use right now. Put you to good use right now. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, Look at me, sense what I'm here for, and um, ask for something a little bit irrational. Sure. Or ask a question that's irrational. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel, I, in a way, I kind of feel like we had a, a good conversation, and then also I'm feeling like, I feel almost a loss for, for inquiring about anything else. You know, I, I feel, I feel yeah. strange. I feel good to be in your presence though. And I feel good right. to, to be here, but I, I don't feel a sense that I, that there's anything in me that, that wants to know anything. Right. So that's, that's right. So that's good. Um, yeah. My best use in this time and place is not as, an expert, not as a guru, not as somebody with answers to abstract questions about the world, about society, about metaphysics or anything like that. You know, I can do that. I can play smart guy, but um, that's 
you know, I've been doing that for a long time and, you know, I have access to some helpful information. I'm not discounting that, but it's not all I'm here for. And I'm not naming myself as more special than anyone else. But what, in general, what we really need right now, in a way, I would say it's not more information, or I would say it's a different kind of information. And this goes back to the news fast. What we need right now is, is, is presence. We need to see each other. We need to be here for each other. We have to remind each other that we're real, that life is real. Because when so much of life happens on screens, there's an air of unreality to it. No matter what is happening on your screen, it's just pixels on the screen. You could be watching the most horrible atrocity, police beating people up in Belgium or whatever. But no matter what it is, if you press that off button, it goes away. That leaves us really lonely and disconnected. Like we are craving authentic presence. Beautiful. I'm not sure how interesting a podcast it would be if we just, you know, sat here gazing at each other. But <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is definitely true. Yeah. And a lot of people are sick of the debate. Sick of the studies, sick of sick of the opinions. They we want something else. And it's it's available. Yeah. 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 I mean, I haven't put out a podcast episode in over a month mm -hmm. because that's, I've, that's exactly how I've been feeling. It's just like, man, so much better to be in these gatherings with people in person, yeah. 10, 12 people, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and I feel like I don't have anything to say. Yeah. And well, I, and you know, I feel free to go through this and, and chop it up and, and, if you want, just use the last 10 minutes. I don't care. Or maybe take some pieces out. I don't know. Whatever whatever you think is going to like actually serve people. Yeah. Yes. That, that's exactly it right there, Charles. How can I be of most service? And I think that in the last like couple months, I've been going through this transition because in the launch of, of my show and so many times during it, I wanted to be smart guy. I wanted to be right. Like yeah. I wanted to, you know, and, and it, it's, it's easy to, to stay that way too, because people tell you that people say, boring. oh, this is <laughs> to me, it's, it's boring. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's gotten to that point where I'm just like, why am I doing this? Right. You know, what, what, what do I have to say? And, and what can I do to be of service to provide something for others to feel? Mm-hmm. Not information, not facts, not, you know, listen to this guy because he's the expert or whatever it is. Or he's how, smart or he's a philosopher or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How can, how can we create something that really resonates deep inside the heart and souls of, of, of people out there where they know it, right? Which mm -hmm. is what you speak to so much and, and what you exude, you know, in your presence right now. Um, 
Yeah. And there's like a part of me that feels a little bit like a failure. Like I'm like, oh no, I didn't do, I didn't like, I didn't do a good job. Like I'm like, shit, but I, but I, it is what it is. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm at. We, yeah. It's important for us to honor the path that brought us to where we are hmm. and establish a spirit of welcome because others have also made a lot of mistakes on their path, walked a lot of dead ends, gotten lost. And, um, by accepting and honoring our own path and our own lostness, then we prepare the welcome for others too. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Enough beating ourselves up, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. I, I, uh, I feel good. Good. I do. I feel good too. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah. And and just to I guess we'll circle back to what what I started talking about in the beginning or mentioned at least was the in person gathering that you held and I remember you saying like this is this is important that we're here fifteen yeah. people or twenty people and you mentioned I could have done a YouTube show or a podcast with thousands of people or whatever but this is important and and I think that that did plant something in me that mm -hmm. has been kind of along. I remember the meditation with the diamond and like, I remember it. I tell people about it mm -hmm. and, um, and, and it's amazing because I feel in a way that I have to let a part of uh, an identity that I had so much with like being a, a podcast guy <laughs> and, and putting out content, content, whatever yeah. that is. Um, to now being, no, it's more important to be with people and in person. And cause you know, that seems to be what the counterculture is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Taking masks off literally and figuratively. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm checking out of this podcast with, um, deep gratitude, uh, deep gratitude and a sense of, of calmness and knowingness. Um, that, uh, yeah, that brings yeah. me great, great joy. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, Mike. It's good to be with you. Good to be with you too, Charles. Thank you. And, uh, should we tell people about your sub stack? Nope. Great. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And, uh, if you notice that the part that I was talking about at the end there, uh, that was that was a significant moment for me. That was uh, that was a very uh, that was a I, I really something really awoken in me. That was a very uh, I guess like uh, a teachable moment, and I really am great grateful for Charles for showing up with uh, with such willingness to uh, be there in his full presence to go through the motions of doing a podcast and then also coming to something that maybe is a little bit more real. And, uh, and that helped me sort of get out of my head and get back onto uh, a path that I, that I know that I uh, want to be traversing and, and exploring. So thank you so much again to Charles. And uh, please go check out the show notes, show links, show description stuff, uh, the links, you know what I'm saying. And if you like the show, leave us a five-star rating review wherever you listen on Spotify or Apple or anywhere. And uh, email me, get in touch with me. I want to hear from you. 
uh, mikeadelicpod at gmail.com, mikeadelicpod at gmail.com. I want to hear from you guys. What do you think? What are your thoughts? What, what do you want to know more of? Do you have guest suggestions, ideas? Do you want to come on the show? Do you want to ask questions? Do you, what's, what's going on here? I, let's, let's get the communication going. If you want to go a step further, you can sign up and become a Patreon member and you get access to early releases, bonus episodes, video episodes, uh, and the, the Inner Sanctum Discord chat. And uh, with that, I'll just say thanks to Danny uh, Barnett and Galaxia for the intro and outro music. And uh, until next time, thanks. <laughs>